Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. On today's US Open quarterfinals catch-up. Emma Raducanu roars past Belinda Benchich. Fernandez stuns Svitolina. And British doubles success continues with Joe Salisbury and Jamie Murray both through to the semi-finals. Kim, here we are again, quarter-final stage at the US Open. Wow, wow, wow. We are coming in hot off another Emma Raducanu victory at the US Open. She roared past Belinda Benchitz today, straight sets. Very, very impressive stuff. I still think we're living in dream world, but her run at the US Open is continuing all the way from the qualifying stage and now all the way through to the semi-finals. There has been other success as well with teenagers at the at the tournament with Leila Fernandez as well, stunning Alina Svitolina. And we also have some very exciting men's matches to recap on. You know, it's been a very interesting quarterfinal stage, I think, so far. And I think really on the on the women's side, <laughs> the talk really is the same from round four. It's just all the teenagers, they're just doing what they're doing and they are upsetting the odds and they're, you know, we've still got a couple in the competition. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. I mean, all eyes and ears are especially on Emma Raducanu. You know, there's so much attention on her. Uh, people who, again, like don't really follow tennis perhaps that much, but will remember her from Wimbledon as sort of kind of getting back on that bandwagon. They, they were on <laughs> briefly um, during, you know, SW19 because she's just, you know, gone at least two rounds better you know in only her second major reaching the semi-finals of a straight sets win today over Benchic who you know let's face it was in probably the form of her life having won the Olympic gold medal and getting the doubles Olympic silver and you know Benchic was looking like a very tough prospect indeed and uh, Emma just made it look like you know she she was the favorite out there that she was the higher seeded player really you know she was a breakdown early on but after that it was just a another very very high quality and composed performance yeah it was very another very very impressive performance you almost forget that she is a teenager given the the level of composure she showed on the court and I think she did need that today because Benchich did challenge her in ways I don't think her some of her opponents have done so this competition you know particularly I remember in that second set going love 30 down on her serve and I think you know for me what was so impressive was she has she was put under pressure pressure she was in moments of adversity that she needed to overcome and you know it, it still felt kind of way even though she had that break in the second set it still felt a little bit dicey and you were sort of hoping that could she get another break to make it a little bit more comfortable and Benchich wasn't giving her out giving her that and 
you know, the fact that she asked her to serve for it, you know, probably at the changeover, she was probably thinking, you know, this is the, she this was the biggest, biggest serving game of her career. And, you know, to ask that question and then answer it by serving it out from, from Love 30 down, I think, was very, very impressive stuff. And it just continues this story that I just, you know, it just defies belief, I think, amongst British tennis fans. I don't think we were expecting this to come so early for Raducanu. And it was interesting, I think, to hear in her post-match press conference afterwards on court, you know, talking about the fact that, you know, all players, they're on their own trajectory and she's focusing on her own trajectory. And it just so happens that her trajectory right now in this moment is getting to the, the semi-finals of the, of the US Open and who knows, potentially beyond. Yeah, like I mean, that's probably a good way of of looking at it. Like, don't compare yourself to what other people your age are doing, or mm. you know, there's there's parallels being made with other, you know, big names who have performed this well in their very first Grand Slams. You know, the, the likes of um, I think Sellers, um, Chris Ever, etc. But you know, she shouldn't even compare herself to what's gone before because you know everyone is different and will have a different pathway. And also, people are sort of paralleling her to Bianca Andreescu from two years ago who kind of stormed through and and won the title but even that's different because Andreescu you know had already won um some some events she was the 15th seed at that time so she wasn't you know she was not a qualifier you know if Emma's going to win this title and it's kind of crazy that we're even saying if she's going to win like the whole thing uh but it could still happen only two more victories to go um I think she's capable but you know she'd have had to have won 10 matches you know instead of seven which would be certainly some feat I mean she is the first qualifier to ever reach the last four at Flushing Meadows she's not dropped a set Kim I know I it's it's been you know pretty dominant scoreline she hasn't even gone to a tie break I don't think um you know people again uh, some of them are saying you know it's like when Chivante won the French Open last year it was mm. like quite comfortable set scorelines but not to say that she hasn't experienced you know moments of adversity in the matches but I mean today you know she kind of navigated that those love 30 scenarios on her on her service games towards the end of the second set very well uh you know if, if perhaps it had gone love 40 could have been a bit different who knows? But it was actually Benchich that was perhaps the one that was looking a bit more edgy and, and kind of feeling the tension a bit more, I think, you know, as it as it got to the latter stages. So, I mean, you know, she was getting quite frustrated because Radicano was just playing very, very smart tennis today. It was visibly obvious that Benchich was getting frustrated. She, you know, was hitting a racket on the ground. She was talking to herself. And Radicano was just, yeah, playing her own game and executing it to perfection. And it was, it was you know, I think... As well as Radicani did play, you know, Benchich, I think, dropped a level, I think, a little bit from what we've seen earlier on in the competition. Yes, you know, she was coming into this match with lots of confidence, particularly with that Olympic gold medal. But certainly there were a few, I think, cheap points that she did give Radicani. I don't think her serve was uh, as good as it could have been. I think she served quite a few kind of double faults. And also, I think her forehand as well, it was quite clear that Radicani was really focusing on that, I think, in the second half, because it was leaking a few unforced errors and I think it was what was impressive about that was the fact that Radicanu recognized that and you can tell even though she's 18 years old she's got such a high tennis IQ I think in her you know in her brain to really kind of 
you know, adapt on the fly and, and recognize, okay, what are the shots that Benchich isn't doing well at the moment and really kind of target those areas. And I think she particularly targeted that forehand and it worked well for her because the Benchich double-handed backhand, I think actually was firing pretty well. I think that was one of the reasons actually why she, you know, she went up in, uh, you know, so early on in, in the match, you know, she went 3-1 up in the first set. But, you know, apart from that, it was, it was, it was just, you know, it was just very kind of serene, really. I mean, I think it was what maybe surprised Benchich was, you know, the amount of time that Radicani was having on the ball. And even though they were sort of trading from the baseline, it just felt that, that Radicani had an extra step that was, which meant that she was able to to maneuver her opponent. And although Benchich, I think, came in a couple of times to the net and, and finished off quite well at, at the net, I think she, maybe she could have employed that a little bit more and, and perhaps changed it up. I know that I get that that might not be too comfortable for her, but I certainly felt that she could have maybe changed it up a li- little bit more to ask different questions of, of Radicanu because it just felt that if they were trading from the baseline, it was Radicanu who was really coming out as the victor. Yeah, absolutely. She's, I mean, this was Radicano's first, well, top 40 opponent that she's actually mm. had to play in. And now well, she herself is is basically, you know, on the very edge of the top 50. So British number one as well. British number one. Yeah, exactly. So she's just gone, you know, just up and up and up so fast. I mean, she was like ranked 350 or whatever, something around that before Wimbledon and that was literally like two months ago it's it's such a meteoric rise and she's surely got to be kind of awarded already you know WTA most improved player of the year or <laughs> not even the WTA ranking system uh can hold back Emma Raducanu's rise it feels up the uh the rankings which has been incredible I think we we saw earlier Kim on Twitter that she wasn't even in the British women's top 10 60 days ago uh and now she's british <laughs> british number one which is absolutely unbelievable i mean but i think you know what's what is sort of fascinating is that we shouldn't really even be kind of talking about this in the context of of british tennis we should be talking about this in the context of of global tennis given the you know the records that she is producing you know she's being talked about in the same caliber as players like uh you know virginia wade Anne Jones, Monica Sellers, lots of other players, lots of other legends of the game. And I know that's a, you know, that might be a bit preemptive and there's a lot of obviously hype there, but I think it's warranted given the, you know, the manner and the way that she has kind of come through. It's been a bit different to, I say, Leila Fernandez, who has probably had the harder matchups round by round in terms of rankings. But at the same time, the fact that Radicanu, no wild card, had to do it the hard way through qualifying and has not dropped a set, I don't care what ranking your opponent is, that is very, very impressive given that, you know, no one no one would have been, you know, talking about your name at, at the start of the at, at the start of the slam. No, they would have just been in this case, you know, thinking, oh, there's that girl who got to the fourth round of Wimbledon and, <laughs> yes, you know, exactly. had to retire off court. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't happen very often that we get female qualifiers in a in a Grand Slam semi-final. I think we would have had Podoroska last year at the French mm. Open. She was a qualifier, I think. So, but yeah, it's literally once in a blue moon. And um, and on her debut as well. Yeah, I suppose Karatsev, uh, you know, for the, for the men, did it uh, in Australia, didn't he? He was he was a qualifier this year. But yeah, it, it doesn't happen very often. And like, I just, I can't believe that we've got someone who's British who's like this good that is actually, you know, us Brits, we don't really get used to having, you know, 
loads and loads of extremely talented players right at the top of the game or, you know, big, big prospects. I know we've had Andy, but it, it's, it's, it's not exactly like we've got, you know, tens of thousands of players, uh, up at the top of the game. So this is very exciting for, for British tennis, uh, especially. Yeah. And I mean, given that, you know, the start of the, you know, for British fans at the, you know, the start of the fortnight, you know, we started with, Joe Conta pulling out, uh, you know, well, who was the British number one? We just absolutely could not have foreseen what was going to happen. And the fact that, you know, Eber Raducanu in the singles is the last Brit standing is, is a crazy, crazy achievement. And I think, you know, going, just going back to that match against Benchic again, something that really in, in terms of her kind of stroke, her, um, her strokes uh, on the court. I think today what really helped was, you know, I spoke about Benchich's serving. I don't think being at the races as much. Well, I thought Emma Raducanu's serve was was very, very good. And she got quite a few aces at difficult times that really kind of helped her. And I think she almost nearly doubled, I think, her total ace count for the tournament um, in this match. So again, I thought that was very, very impressive. And you can you can already tell that, yeah, there's still you know work to be done there. And I think Managing nerves is probably a big thing that she will need to, particularly, I think, for the semi-final will be something to work on. You know, we've already seen, I think, a couple of times now where she has started slowly and you know, she has gone a breakdown. And I don't think, you know, she, that's not a habit you want, want to get into. But at the moment, any sort of adversity that she's facing, she's coming through it. I guess the big question will be is if that adversity magnifies itself and let's say she drops a first set or a second set what's her you know what's her response going to be because she hasn't been in that situation yet and that's probably the biggest unknown I think that potentially could be facing her in that semi-final yeah and that's you know what we saw at Wimbledon in that fourth round like she lost Mm. that first set and then things kind of unraveled so I mean, she's going to be facing either Pliskova or Sakari, you know, both incredibly tough opponents. And that will be, you know, well, in the middle of our night uh, tomorrow, which is not ideal for British fans who want to watch. But um, I mean, who out of those two do you think like they're playing in tonight's night session? Um, I guess we need to hope that they have an incredibly long match and tire each other out big time to help Emma's chances. Um, I mean, I had Pliskova in my semis from the start of the tournament, so... I would say she's had the more comfortable journey through the draw so far. You know, she beat Pavlichenkova in straight sets um, in the fourth round, whereas Zachary came through that really long match against Andrescu, um, finished, you know, in the early hours of the morning. <laughs> and I think it was the, actually the latest ever finish yep. for, a, for a women's match here. Um, so I don't know if there'll be, you know, any hangover from that. Zachary is obviously one of the fittest players on the tour, so I don't think that would impact her too much for, for tonight. I mean, as a British fan, I feel like you'd want you'd want Zachary. I think Zachary, as you said, is a player who I think has got more. She's a very much a you know a very much a, a physical player on court. I think she is quite similar, maybe to someone like Asara Cerebes Tormo, where she is a grafter. She likes to get it into a bit of a street fight and you know have extended rallies and really kind of being under the pump. I think that is the the situation that that Zachary likes likes to be in and I actually think that that Raducanu displaying you know what we've seen so far and, and looking back at that match against Saros Rubens Tormo I think it could be a similar situation if it came to a Raducanu Sakari semi-final I just think Raducanu has more talent than than Sakari and I think that could just sort of trump any sort of Sakari grittiness and attritional 
sort of tennis, I think. Having said that, you know, Sakari does love to, I think, play the occasion. I think she is certainly a big, a big match and a big event sort of player. I think she really brings it out when she, you know, she comes up against, you know, like the, you know, the world number one or, you know, she's in a, in a really long match and it's going really, really late. I think she really loves having that adrenaline feed through her and that raises her level. But I certainly would hope that Sakari, it could be a Sakari Radikanu semi final because I think Plish, Plishkova may have a bit more, you know, she's got more experience and I think she's got a few bigger weapons that I think could hurt Radicanu. And, you know, we talk about Radicanu's, you know, weight of shot and it being something that a lot of the, the players so far have really kind of struggled with and also the, you know, her movement around the court. But you you would be interested to see how, you know, how well will Radicanu, would Radicanu be able to handle the, you know, the power and particularly the serving and, and particularly looking at Radicanu's return game um, if she did come up against Karolina Pliskova. Yeah, because Bliskova has been bombing down aces mm. um, this tournament. Like she's she's been doing very well on serve, um, and especially like in her fourth round against Pavlyuchenkova, you know she saved pretty much all of her, the break points that she faced, um, bar one. So I do think I I agree. I think Zachary would be the more winnable match, but um, you know, let's see what happens tonight. Let's see what Emma can do tomorrow. We've got the other side of the draw as well. We've got a semi-final set between Leila Fernandez and, and Arena Sabalenka. And that came about, Joel, uh, because, well, we had one <laughs> quite straightforward match and another match that was far from it. We are eating our words again, aren't we, Kim? Oh, gosh, totally. I mean, Fernandez <laughs> is just out to prove us very wrong. Uh, you know, she's beaten Asaka. Kerber. Now Svitolina. This was a last set tie break. Um, you know, she is just... She really impressed me what I saw of this match because she just had so much kind of confidence and self-belief. And it's quite rare, you know, to see a young player sort of actually appearing very mature in the way she composed and conducted herself. And we see that, you know, also with, with Raducanu. And I just thought, I love the way she was using the crowd. You know, obviously they were very much on her side. It's, an, it's a North American crowd and she was really getting them going when she needed them. And I think, having that relationship with the crowd has been quite key for her over this fortnight. Yeah, certainly. It was, I think, great to see just a player really, really enjoying their tennis and having that relationship with the fans, I think, on court, because it certainly, I think, elevated her game when she needed it, because I think Svitolina will be kicking herself in terms of not winning this match, because she was in the thick of it, I think, you know, in that third set. I mean, Svitolina was down... 5-2 in the third set, was able to force a deciding set tiebreak and then was 1-4 down in that tiebreak and came came back to 5-all. And that, I think, was really the the pivotal point, that that point at 5-all. Um, it could have gone, I think it could have gone either way, but it, it went the way of, of Fernandez. And I think she, again, she just has that belief in her that I guess you would have now, given that you've beaten someone like Osaka, given her record at, at, on hard courts and at the US Open, defeating another former US Open champion in Kerber and now defeating Svitolina, who has probably been playing you know, really good tennis. Again, another player I think is playing with a lot more confidence since getting that bronze medal in the Olympics. But she just, <laughs> Fernandez is just having none of it. And I think with, with the more of these matches she plays where she is the underdog and she gets written off, she she gets more and more belief, I think, with, with each round. And it is really kind of coming through for her in the 
in the in the most difficult of, of moments and I certainly think that helped her win that final set tie break. Yeah, I do wonder how how it might change when she is the favourite in a match. But, mm. you know, I mean, can you imagine, Joel, this may be getting very much ahead of ourselves and it will probably be a Pliskova Sabalenka final. But imagine if it's a Radicanu Fernandez final and you've got an 18 year old against a 19 year old. You know, both of them are the youngest US Open semi finalists since Sharapova like 16 years ago. I mean, this is just um, such a, you know, breakthrough, breakout tournament for, for both of them. And I mean, it's it's a shame for Svitolina because she's been at this stage many many times before but you know she just doesn't have that that cutting edge she doesn't um you know she just lacks that that extra something to get her over the mark and she's always going to be vulnerable to players like a Fernandez who on their day will just go for it and have that confidence in their shots and I think Svitolina's just at times just too passive um like we've seen her before and um She's always waiting for for the error. You know, she's she's wanting yeah. to be the kind of, the, you know, the 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 last woman standing. But you know, someone's mm. going to get there before that even gets to that point, isn't it? Yeah, I I agree. I think particularly in that first set, she was certainly too passive, and I I think that with Svitolina, I, I I think she was sort of thinking if I get the ball back, that Fernandez is going to hit unforced errors and that is going to see me through and, and win this match but that just wasn't the case Fernandez hit 42 winners um in the match compared to only 32 from Svitolina and you know it is disappointing because Svitolina will look at this match and think given my experience at this stage versus someone like Fernandez who yes she's got a lot of talent but you know, has not got as not, uh, has not got uh, even a comparable level of of experience compared to to Svitolina. Um, how did she lose this? Because she is now lost six, only one two at the quarterfinal stage or later at a major, and uh, you know it, it's it's a it's a problem for her that she needs to she's gonna have to go away and think about how does she overcome it because it's a question I think that we've been asking for. a a few seasons now and even though she looked like she was coming in with real confidence I think she was on a nine match winning streak uh, coming into this match there's some sort of blocker there that is stopping her from really I think fulfilling her her potential because I certainly look at her as a player who has the the capability to get to a, a grand slam final but for some reason it's not happening at the moment. And you could say you could look back to that first set and think that she is just playing a bit too passive and she can't just rely. I think, you know, in these latter rounds of the tournaments, you can't just go out there not expecting to lose it. I think you've got to go out there and expect to win it. And I think that's possibly the mindset change that she needs because I think she is sort of expecting her opponent to lose the match as opposed to herself, Svitolina, going on to win it. Yeah, absolutely. And um I mean it's uh it's it's Sitalina's gonna have to, to work on this if she wants to obviously progress beyond, you know, the semi final. She has made semis before, but um I think Fernandez is a very exciting young prospect. This was actually the first match I'd seen more of, 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 of her. Um I hadn't seen like all the way through the Osaka or even the Kerber match. So this one I was yeah, she just I hadn't really seen it from her before this tournament. I think she's been around for a while. 
I mean, she seems to have dropped the Annie as well, which is good because I was never sure whether she wanted to be, you know, the whole thing or just Layla or Layla Annie, but she seems to have dropped the Annie. I was reading, Kim, if if it does happen, just going back to if it does happen, uh, a final between Fernandez and Radicanu, the last all teenager Grand Slam final. Do you want to do you want to have a guess who who those two teenagers were? Oh, gosh. Um, would it have been a Williams sister? Uh, Serena. Um, yeah, I'll say a Serena when she like first burst on in the late nineties, or, or Venus. I one of them. <laughs> yeah, it was Venus Williams versus Martina Hingis, oh, wow. which was a seventeen-year-old versus eighteen-year-old. I think Martina Hingis had already been in two uh, Grand Slam finals already, which is also crazy. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't happen very often, and. It it very well could happen at, at the US Open. I mean, just just on that, what are your what are your thoughts on a an all team final? Is that a is that something you're you're excited about? Would you be happy with, or are you or are you kind of looking more for a I don't know a teenager versus more experienced player in the final? Because we're now at a point where you know because of uh, Krachikova losing, we're now at a point where whoever's going to win from here, it's going to be their maiden grand slam title uh in in singles so where are your where where are your thoughts on that makeup of players that we that we have left oh i think it's great it's really exciting i I prefer it to having i know this sounds bad but you know having serena williams like just win everything you know that was great and everything but having two teenagers there and also you know having yeah i mean no no one is left in the draw now who's who's won a slam we're gonna have a maiden winner and um I it's, mean that could do funny things exciting. on people. I'd... It could do funny things yeah. on people, couldn't it? Because that is going to be. It, it feels like a battle royale now. It feels like everyone's on a level pegging situation, and it's going to be a big question, I think, of all the players left in in terms of how they deal with that that added pressure. Because I don't think they would have expected getting to this point that there was there wasn't going to be a slam champion who has been there and and done it fact that no one has been there and done it it makes it it makes it intriguing and i think it makes it very exciting for for all the fans in terms of how that or how that doesn't affect their play and i think whoever wins at the the end of this certainly a big i think a big factor of that will be the fact that it it hasn't they haven't let it affect their game yeah i think um now that critique of is out of the draw you know i think yes it's up for everyone's you know first time opportunity do we think that I think you know Sabalenka is she still mm. the highest seed left in the draw? She's not very experienced at this stage of a Grand Slam, but I do think she is. She's the favourite. I think she is. You know, she's come through the draw without any fuss. She defeated Krajikova very comfortably. I, I know Krajikova was, I think, uh, quite fatigued and tired. She she spoke afterwards about how it's been a very long season, and I think that did play a part into it. But Sabalenka was just, you know outpacing Krajikova, outpowering her and looked pretty comfortable. Um, I think if she's on, then I, I feel like, it, you know, it's hers for the taking, but it's just whether she can hold her nerve, if she can kind of deal with perhaps being that, that slight favourite now. Um, you know, but I, I do think I'd give her the edge. Like she was my runner up before when I was predicting, I thought Ash Barty would beat her in the final, but I think now it's, it's probably Sabalenka's to lose, but you know, having said that, it's it's probably the 
the smallest margin of being a favourite that we've had mm. for a very long time in a slam. I think the, the gut feeling amongst fans is that if Samba, Sabalenka plays to the level that we've seen this tournament, then there's not going to be many players who can, or any players, I think, left that can deal with her. So far, power, it feels like power has trumped everything. And even Kretschikova wasn't able to uh, really, really come close. And I think Sabalenka so far has only dropped one set. Um, and it's been very, very smooth sailing. And the serve has obviously been a big part of that, as well as her, her ground strokes. I mean, talking about uh, one of the semi-finals that we do have set in stone, Kim, we do have Sabalenka versus Fernandez. Just, you know, you were talking about Sabalenka as the slight favourite of all the people left um, in the in the women's singles. Are you are you seeing that as a, a Sabalenka win? It's their first meeting and, you know, Sabalenka's obviously the number two seed. Leila Fernandez, complete unknown quantity. I mean, Sabalenka is going to have to figure out how to play Le- Leila Fernandez on the fly, it feels like, given that it's the first meeting. Yes, you would have seen her on, on the TV and, and how she plays the, the big players. But when she steps out on court, they've never played before. And that could be a big factor in terms of how, you know, how this match develops, because Sabalenka might need some time to understand what the, the Fernandez game is all about. Yeah, I think we get that quite a lot when you get these like new young players who most players on the tour haven't perhaps yet to play. So uh, it's quite, could be quite a surprise, but I'm sure they'll be doing their homework and uh, working out a good strategy based on, you know, all the footage they've got from from her matches so far. And I mean, the crowd will be on Fernandez's side. So I think that will really help her. Um, similarly, I, I would imagine they would support Radicanu as well against either Pliskova or Zachary. So I think, you know, the crowd have been quite, quite pivotal. I think they've been quite influential this tournament, especially, you know, mm. more so than usual. But, um, oh, it's a, t- it's a tough one. It's, it's really close to call. I, I would give Sabalinka the edge though. I think getting to the final might just be one step too far for Fernandez. I was actually impressed by Sabalenka. I saw her at Wimbledon against Katie Balter, uh, where the fact the crowd were obviously completely in, in Katie's favour, and it was a really high quality match. And, and Katie Balter really, really brought it. But I was very impressed with how Sabalenka was able to handle the situation with maturity. She played some clutch tennis at, at times, really shut out the the crowd. So based on that, I, do, I don't think the crowd cheering for Fernandez should eat too much at Sabalenka. I think she's been in situations like that before. And I think if she does play her game and is able to to have that mindset, I think she had against Bolter at Wimbledon, I certainly see her as the favourite. However, I think we've been sort of saying that for, for everyone, every opponent of, of Fernandez in the last few rounds. So it's probably written for uh, Fernandez to go on and win. Oh, well, yeah, anything we say, the opposite <laughs> will happen. <laughs> but <laughs> we will see about that one. Um, I do think Pliskova will come through tonight against Zachary. But again, I may be wrong. Uh, famous last words. By the time everyone listens to this, they will all be thinking, what on earth are we saying? <laughs> um, but let's just take a quick break now. Um, we'll be back shortly to discuss all the men's results so far from the quarterfinals. So do not go anywhere.
This is The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to looking back at the men's action from today and yesterday. Um, we've got uh, Djokovic tonight in the night session against Matteo Berrettini. Um, so that is still to come. We expect Djokovic to come through that. You know, he's playing Berrettini yet again in the slam. I think they've met at the last two slams for sure. And it's a repeat of the Wimbledon final. Um, but Djokovic, you know, he's lost a few more sets than normal this tournament, hasn't he? And including a, a 6-1 set to Jensen Brooksby the other night, which was uh, quite surprising, you know, the manner of that first set. And it was great for Brooksby that he had, you know, his moment uh, on Arthur Ashe as well. Kim, that was absolutely wild. I think I was I was sort of following that on, on live scores whilst I was going to bed and I just... I just had to do a double take at the screen because it was just crazy to see Djokovic getting a breadstick from Brooksby in front of, <laughs> uh, you know, in front of his home crowd. Uh, that must have felt pretty good. And yeah, Djokovic does have this tendency of, of slow starts. You know, he lost that, that, uh, well, sorry, he lost, uh, you know, he lost also a set against Rune. Um, he is, it's, it's a bit of a bad habit, isn't it? it it's sort of, you know, I think it is a little bit of a concern because, think there are other players who you know like Berrettini for example I just don't think it's going to be as easy to just kind of come back into it I know there's a lot of kind of chat about the fact that you know Djokovic sort of is is reading your game he's understanding it and he's lulling you into a false sense of security and then there's really no drama once he he smells blood and I think that was the the story with the Brooksby match because after that first set first set and a half really that that second set was still a bit of a, a fight but certainly sets three and four Brooksby was um you know I think he was a little bit he didn't really know what to to do or how to to keep it up but that first set I think was a bit of a I think a warning sign potentially to the you know the Novak fans who were you know obviously harboring hopes of him uh be, you know becoming a, a calendar slam champion because I I just don't think he can afford to do that in you know, for example, against a Berrettini or even a Zverev, who've got these big booming serves to, you know, to, to go down early, to give them that momentum. I think that's a dangerous, it's a dangerous situation you would get yourself into. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, um, Djokovic is through and it's looking like it's going to be slam 21. So, um, but, Fantastic for Brooksby that, you know, as I said, he had his his moment uh, against the, the great man. Um, so let's have a look at who Djokovic will, assuming he gets through, face in the semifinals. And that is Sasha Zverev, who's made it through for the second year in a row. Uh, coming through against your favourite, Joel, Lloyd Harris, 766364. Um, this is 16 wins in a row now for Zverev, you know, off the back of the Olympic gold and the uh, Cincinnati title. Um, bit of hoo-ha, though, in this match about uh, Zverev pausing play uh, when Harris had a set point at 6-5 in the tiebreak to uh, complain about the, the screens in the stadium who were, you know, he was saying that they were interrupting him. Um, so a lot of fans not happy at Zverev stopping right at that particular moment in time. And uh, Lloyd Harris was far from pleased at losing that first set. He he threw a water bottle down and uh, that went all over the court and uh, <laughs> he had to uh, to wipe it up. And actually, to be fair, Zverev was getting involved. They were having a good chin wag uh, while they were cleaning. So I thought that was quite a nice moment, I guess, uh, in the in the middle of that, uh, you know, between the two sets. 
Oh, Zarev, he is—he's not helping himself at the moment, is he? With the with the fans, and again, it's it's fascinating. I feel you know between him and Sissipas, they are they are building a sort of unlikableness, I think, to their to their uh, well, to their brand their brand of tennis. This is not—I know I get that this is not the this is not the Roger and Rafa show anymore at the, at the Grand Slams, but it's it's interesting how yeah the, these players who are you know they are ambassadors they are role models and sometimes they they just don't care do they and it's funny how the fans are i think treating them and i would not be surprised kim you know we can't as i said i keep banging on about this we're coming up to the laver cup i would not be surprised if we get like you know these players kind of come on court and and walk on not to a round of applause but certainly a few a few jeers the fact that it's going to be in the united states as well um you know i think it's it's certainly it's certainly going to be i think quite fiery but again you can't you can't really fault zverev's tennis i mean it was a 16th consecutive win very impressive i think to get it done in straight sets over lloyd harris who probably you know he he showed a he gave a really good account of himself taking it to a, a tie break in that first set but you know zverev really i think with his return game was 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 pretty solid and once he was able to get once he was able to secure a break he never really looked like giving up his serve and it's been another very routine kind of performance for him second straight year he's reached the semi-finals um at the US Open so he obviously loves playing here the serve is a big part <laughs> not really serving any double faults not really giving up many breakpoint opportunities as well i mean for Djokovic or Berrettini, that is going to be a very that is probably going to be the big question, isn't it? In terms of how do you how do you break the the Sasha's Zverev serve? Well, exactly. When his serve is on, it, it is very much on, and it has been for the most part this tournament. And um, yeah, he's gone through very comfortably. Very different to to last year when he was kind of mm. winning, but winning very ugly, and it wasn't wasn't particularly great. But he was kind of scraping his way through, and you know. He's beaten Djokovic recently. Will, you know, can he do it in a Grand Slam? I know Djokovic isn't quite there yet as we're recording, but that's going to be, you know, his his biggest challenge yet. And the biggest opportunity for Zverev to kind of prove that he is the real yeah. deal. If if you can, you know, upend Djokovic over five sets in a slam, um, it's going to be the toughest ask. But I think he's probably in the best place that he has been so far in his career to do that. Um, without wanting to give him too much hype. <laughs> it's quite amazing, actually. I, I can't think, I don't think, of a shot that has changed so dramatically, I think, uh, over you know the last season or so in, in terms of, of Zverev's serve. Because, you know, on the, on the pod last season, it was sort of the, you know, it was sort of the laughing stock, wasn't it? It was like, how many, how many double faults has Alexander Zverev served in this match has is it more than Camilla Georgie uh you know it was it was, a, it was that sort of conversation but he's really kind of turned it into a weapon and and massive credit should probably go to his team in terms of being able to you know fine-tune it tweak it and it being a real really really uh, damaging weapon on court and potentially a weapon that could win him his first Grand Slam well could quite and I think if there's any you know, if there's ever been a chance as good as before, you know, it, it's got to be now. Mm. Um, and, I mean, he's still very young, obviously. And, you know, I, I know the big three obviously came through one slams probably at a younger age than, than Zverev is at now. But like like Emma Raducanu said, everyone's on their own trajectory. So perhaps, you know, Zverev's closer to getting to that point. 
but it may not be now, but it may be, you know, this time next year. But he certainly got the job done up to now, which is all you can do until you get to that potential meeting with the top seed. Daniel Medvedev is another player who's done exactly what he needed to do. And he's made his way through to the semi-finals. He has now dropped a set. Uh, he came through against Bortic van der Zanschulp in four sets. Um, this is now Medvedev's third straight semi-final here. So we know he loves these courts. We know he's very much at home here on a hard court. And um, yeah, this match was going very, very comfortably for Medvedev. He was kind of thrashing van der Zanschulp. And uh, it kind of changed in, the, in that third set. Um, and van der Zanschel, I'm sorry, it's such a mouthful, isn't it? V to Z. I, I don't know, like we said in the last pod, I feel like I should shorten this, but it's, it's, it's not happening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he managed the call, you know, he's a qualifier. He's done really well to get this point to, to take a set off Medvedev and then to, to come close in that fourth as well. It, it was seven five. Um, you know, he really raised his level as the match went on, which was really impressive. But Medvedev was, um, just had that bit much in in the end to to come through and not let himself get embroiled in a in a five setter. Yeah, Van der Zanschulp gave a really good account of himself, given the fact that he's Kim. He spent more than nineteen hours on court because he played qualifying as well. And Medvedev, you know, we've spoken about. He's just steamrolled all the competition so far. So there was a big big difference I think in terms of time on court spent and I think that showed certainly in the in the first two sets and it took a while I think for Bosic van der Zanschulp to get going but he gave a really good account of himself the fact that he was able to take a set off no one has done that so far uh you know a lot higher ranked players have come and gone and not been able to to do it so really Really, really impressive from him. Um, you know, it does it does suggest that Medvedev does have slight lapses in him potentially, um, but you've got to be ready, I think, to, to pounce on those opportunities, which um, you know Van der Zanschulp did. Um, but yeah, I think it might be a bit of a warning sign that you know if a you know at the face of it, if a, a qualifier can take a set off of Medvedev, then certainly someone higher ranked with uh, you know with a, a, an arsenal of, of tricks up their sleeve could also potentially do the same thing but at the same time there's no looking past that that arguably was the test maybe that Medvedev needed because he is you know he hasn't really been tested so far so in a way it was probably quite a nice feeling to to have to be under the cosh a little bit um you know at the start of that fourth set yeah exactly and I, I do still worry that we are just heading towards a Novak Medvedev final why are you Australian about that? Open well because that was very disappointing that final and we were all expecting it to be a classic and in the end it just really fizzled out and I just you know I, d- I don't want that to happen again I want a really exciting match but um I mean I do think Medvedev is the hot favorite to get to that final he's got FAA in the semi-finals and this will be FAA's first slam semi-final you know this is his kind of deepest he's been at a major and and it was a bit of a shame the way his quarterfinal ended with with Alcaraz retiring at 3-1 down in in the second set but you know Felix will be will be up you know to to battle with Medvedev I just don't think that that Felix will have will have enough and we've seen how he gets in in finals you know he he often can't play the game that we know he has. And I do wonder if, if he'll be kind of, although it's a semi-final, you know, it's, it's the deepest he's been at a slam. And I do wonder if 
we won't see the real Felix coming out either. And I think even if he plays his best, I think Medvedev's just got that bit too much for him. Just previewing that FAA Medvedev semi-final, I do think that we're going to need to see another level. I think that FAA has a, we have, we, I don't think we've seen yet from FAA. I know, I think he's got it in him, but whether it comes out against Medvedev uh, is another question. I think it will need to go the way of, you know, I think he will do well to look at Alcaraz and what he did against Sissipas earlier on in terms of what he needs to do in terms of raising his game, feeding off the moment um, to, you know, to bring some tennis that could potentially trouble the the second seed because, yeah, he is a player who doesn't necessarily get it together, you know, in in the biggest matches. His you know his record in in ATB finals alone is is one of the worst ones on tour, if not the worst one on tour amongst existing players. So, yeah, but certainly with you know you're, you're looking at things like the fact that he's got you know Uncle Tony in his corner. He's obviously doing magic on him at the moment and he will certainly be I think helping with that I think yeah mentally it will be a a question of whether he can just hang with with Medvedev I mean it's going to be fascinating I think it's going to a lot of it is going to start I think with the the serve and the return uh, of FAA you know the Medvedev serve is is very very hard it's very flat and it's going to be very quick and he's going to have to he's going to have a really solid return of serve throughout the whole match I think to to stat to have a chance really of uh of coming through absolutely I, I do think so although like you never know Uncle Tony may have that extra trick up his sleeve <laughs> um but yeah I do think Medvedev will have just too much um it, it was a shame that Felix didn't have like a proper match against Alcaraz mm. you know um it, that was a shame issue? so obviously um no, I mean, it'll make him hopefully fresh, but I just, um, I don't know how, obviously he's had that match of TFO, he's had some tough matches, but um, it's just a shame we didn't get to see a proper battle between him and, and Alcaraz and that Alcaraz couldn't do more, you know, in in his first uh, quarterfinal as well. But, um, you know, he had to do what was, what was right for him and there'll be plenty more opportunities for Alcaraz, I, I'm sure, at, at this stage. And, you know, he's been another young teenager who's just sort of delighted at this tournament and and you know Felix you know he he's 21 now he's always seems like the the older kid on the block you know compared to those guys so um but I mean it's fantastic also for Canadian tennis they've got two semi-finalists so they must be going absolutely wild um you know think how we're getting hyped for for Emma they've Mm. got they've got two people to get hyped for so I think we've got a, a good lineup um I'm really pleased that FAA's got there I mean, just just on talking about the the teenagers, who have you been most impressed with so far in terms of their their run? Radicanu, Fernandez, or or Carlos Alcaraz in in the men? Or you've have you been more impressed? I'm gonna I'm not counting FAA because 21 years old is not he's not a teenager, (laughs) not teenagehood. But just talking on of the teenagers, who who has impressed you the most? Do you think in terms of in terms of their run? I think the manner of Raducanu's wins has been the most impressive. However, Fernandez has played the top, you know, the higher ranked opponents. So I think, like, if you look at the the ranking of of everyone that she's played, um, but then Emma's kind of had to graft a bit more, like coming through qualies. So, and then Alcaraz, probably the most unexpected. I don't think we expected him to get to this stage of a hard court slam like so early on. I think he's he's got there quicker than I thought he would. Um, Oh, it's really hard to pick one, Joe. I'll have to say Raducanu, won't I? Ooh, Just okay, because 
if you think you know she's on two slams of two she's she's done something uh which doesn't happen very often so yeah i mean it's yeah it's, it's a hard one obviously we've got <laughs> we've got bias in us as, as as british fans i certainly think that fernandez has exceeded all of our expectations i think what's been so impressive about it is that she has been on the on the wta tour and there's i've you know the games i've seen of her again i've i'm going to be honest i you know, i've not seen what that special element or quality she has on you know in the regular tour in the regular tournaments that could potentially make her dangerous to the, the top ranked players so for me that was what was so amazing about her reaching the semi-finals was that she was able she able she discovered something i think that we've not seen as fans you know in the regular season and that i think for me has been very very impressive for Carlos Alcaraz I think he has had the for me has had the big moment of of the teenagers that match for me against Sissipas was was you know I just remember watching it and just just being spellbounded by the level of of tennis going on I think that for me was the the big teenager moment but certainly I think Raducanu and, and Fernandez have had the the um have had the streak I think more to to go with it and let's just quickly touch upon the doubles, Joel, because, um, you know, we're talking about Raducanu reaching the semi-finals, but we've actually got more Brits in the semis over on the, the men's and the mixed doubles because, uh, well, Jamie Murray's into the doubles with, with Bruno Suarez. They beat Granoas and Zabios in three sets. Very, very impressive. Uh, six, seven, six, four, six, four. And they joined Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram, who came through in a last set tiebreak. Uh, it was very dramatic. They came through against the Aussie pairing of Purcell and Ebden, where it was it was three tiebreaks. It was really, really close, like incredibly close. And they won uh, 12-10 in that third set tiebreak. So um, it was, you know, three hours long. It was very, very dramatic. But um, two Brits in the men's doubles. You know, we couldn't ask for more than that, could we? Um, hopefully we can make it an all-British final, bar- barring their partners, who are honorary Brits, of course. Um, but Joe is also into the semis of the mixed doubles as well with Krojic, who um, he won Roland Garros with. And they, um, yeah, beat Schurz and Gill uh, in a match tiebreak to come through um, into the semis. So we could very well have, you know, more than one title for for British players this year could have two for Joe Salisbury alone (laughs) yeah that I mean that was a very big victory in particular for Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez because Granolas and Zabayos were the second seeds I was watching a little bit of it and they were I think they were they were 3-1 down early in that first set and I was sort of thinking oh they're just going to lose this in a regulation and two sets and I went to bed and then I woke up next morning and to see both Murray and Salisbury peaking and getting to the semis was very yeah, very, very good. And who knows? I'm, I'm sort of glad they're on opposite sides of the draw because it does mean that potentially we could see a final and a face-off between Jamie Murray and Joe Salisbury because another, I think, long-standing question on the pod, Kim, is who is the better doubles player? Is it Jamie Murray or is it Joe Salisbury? And I don't feel like we've had a lot of matchups between either of those players uh, very recently. So to have it in a potentially in a Grand Slam final... Uh, would be really really thrilling um but you know obviously there's a long way to go there's still two two semi-finals uh to come so uh we'll just have to wait and see but uh yeah best of luck to to murray and salisbury in their uh quest to get to the us open doubles final absolutely i mean who would you support joel if it was a uh jamie versus joe final that's a tough one getting ahead of myself yeah i 
I, I do you know what? I still would go with. I still would go with Joe Salisbury. I think uh, I'd go oh, with Joe I, thought, I thought you were going to say Jamie Murray. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm I... all in. I'm all in. Joe Salisbury and yeah, Raji Ram. Yeah. I'd love Joe Salisbury. I think maybe Joe Salisbury arguably has got a better shot in the mixed doubles. They seem to be a really good pairing, uh, him and, and Krawchick. So I, I think he could be on for the double personally. But yeah, long way to go. I would love to see that. Yeah, I think. It's all it's all about Jay for me, but I, I won't say no if Jamie's going to win a slam. Um, <laughs> but let's have a quick look tonight. We've got Pliskova against Sakari, followed by Djokovic Berrettini. I'm going for Pliskova Djokovic victories there. Um, Joel, do you beg to differ at all? Oh, um, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on Pliskova Djokovic Berrettini. I I know that they've. And Berrettini is probably the sick of the sight of, of Djokovic uh, at Grand Slams. Um, it will be, you know obvious question how much has what has Berrettini learned about Novak Djokovic from their Wimbledon final um, as well as their French Open quarterfinal uh, will be the I think the key probably the key talking point is a, a discussion for us in, a, in another round by round pod but yeah you don't know you just can't you know Djokovic his return game is just so good that even with a serve as, as massive as Berrettini's you think Djokovic would be able to get the job done. Having said that, he has showed that he does have like lapses in concentration and has slow starts. So I'm certainly I'm going to be interested to see how how Djokovic starts because if he does have one of those slow starts, then I don't think it I don't think it's going to be an easy easy night for him. It could be a long three three and a half four hour battle i think that he i'm still expecting to come through but if he wins that first set and he does and he you know he takes the berrettini serve to the cleaners and is able to start returning you know very very well i think berrettini would get quite downhearted quite quickly and you could you know like the wimbledon final i think lose you know in in straight sets for example i think it all really hangs on that first 20 25 minutes in terms of what what Novak Djokovic we see on the tennis court. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think it could be four sets, but I, I'd be very surprised if Djokovic was to lose. Um, but on that note, we'll be back in two days time on, on Friday, I think, uh, or potentially Saturday morning to um, round up all of the semi-final action. So we do hope you can all join us then. Yes, listeners, I hope you have enjoyed listening to this latest round by round catch up with the passing shot remember if you want to stay up to date on all the action to come at the us open then make sure to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice we are on apple Podcasts, spotify overcast Castbox, stitcher and all good podcasting platforms out there and you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app and if you want to show your support for the show then why not leave us a rating and comment on apple podcasts and you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Uh, we do love to hear from everyone. So do get in touch on those channels. But you can also reach out to us on our email as well, which is PassingShotPod at gmail.com. Um, or you can also check us out on our website, www.thepassingshot.co.uk. 
and we will be back on Saturday morning UK time at Passing Shot HQ to look back on all the action from the semi-finals as part of our round by round coverage of the US Open. So I hope you can join us for that and we will see you again soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.